0: This is Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take today to be an effective nonprofit leader? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles that nonprofit leaders face today? Particularly in Park City, what does it take to be a leader in a community where there's over 80 nonprofits? How do we, as nonprofit leaders, effectively fundraise in an economy that's not necessarily solid? All those reasons combined have led me to start this podcast so that we as a nonprofit community and as a larger community can learn from each other as to the insights and wisdom that each one of these leaders that we interview can share, everything from how to be a better fundraiser, how to be a better vision caster, how to become a better recruiter. So enjoy these podcasts as we ask them very specific questions from their own community as to how they're making their world better. And today in the studio is Maddie Shear. She's a nonprofit consultant. And today's message is very powerful. In fact, she boils down what in her mind is the most important concept or focus of any nonprofit. In fact, the way she would put it is if you wanna be a successful nonprofit leader or manager, there's one key ingredient, and that is relationships. Relating to your board, relating to your donors, relating to those you serve, relating to other nonprofits. Relationships, she feels like are the absolute key to successful nonprofits. So she'll cover a lot of different ground today, but it really comes down to that key issue of relationships and how you steward them. In fact, one of the things she'll mention is that she has helped lead some roundtables here at Park City. Uh, there's been some executive director roundtables, and then there's also an open round table that started about a year ago for anybody involved in nonprofit leadership of any level. And so I encourage you, the next roundtable will be October 2nd, right here at the Christian Center. In fact, we're hosting it. It's at 8.30, a Friday morning. We encourage you to come. Even if you've come before, but maybe not for a long time, I encourage you to come. Number one, just to build relationships with other nonprofit leaders, but also to learn some great skills every time she has a theme or a topic that she has put together that she feels like is very relevant to all nonprofit leaders. So I encourage you again, October 2nd, right here at the Christian Center, 8.30 a.m. Enjoy the interview with Maddie Shear. Welcome, Maddie.
1: Thanks, Rob. I am so happy to be here.
0: Yeah. It's great to have you here. You
1: know I love to talk about this You stuff. do,
0: don't you? I think this is your passion. It's
1: my passion, so you'll have to when you need to. Cut no, me off if you need to.
0: No, we love it. You, you've done this for a long time. It's an obvious passion. It is. So let's jump into that. What got you into nonprofit leadership in the first place? Like, What was the draw?
1: Well, kind of not the typical path. Um, I worked in the for-profit business. I worked for Hasbro Toys for 12 years. Um, Started there as a product manager in marketing. And then my last four years, I was vice president of marketing for a division of the company for Parker Brothers. And things were going great. And I, you know that feeling when the train's going and it's going and you decide it's the wrong train? That's what happened. You were on
0: the wrong train. The
1: train just kept going and I was doing great, making lots of money. And it just wasn't the right train anymore.
0: So was this a, a gradual thing? Was it yeah, an overnight? Uh, or? Not
1: overnight, but more, more sudden than you would think. My colleagues were totally shocked. It was one of those. It was, you know, one of those where, you know, I discussed it with my husband. I know this sounds crazy, but I want to leave and I don't know why what I want to do. And he was supportive. So I left. Um, that was in um, Massachusetts. Yes. Um, so before coming to Park City. before coming to Park City. and then after that job, we moved just to another town in Massachusetts so he could be closer to work. And I started getting involved in nonprofit. I had a two and a half year old. It was the first time as an adult I wasn't working and it was scary for me. I didn't how to make friends. That sounds so funny. but all my friends had always been because I was somebody who was always at work. So I thought I'm going to do what I know how to do, what I'm comfortable doing, and I started getting involved. At my daughter, she was at the JCC preschool, had 350 kids. It was the largest preschool in that triborough area. I started small. I got on the programming committee. Then they asked me to sit on the board. Then I was secretary. Then I chaired it for three years. And, and that does not
0: surprise me. Yeah, and that
1: <laughs> was the that for me was the catalyst. I knew. I found it. it I wasn't exactly sure what I would do with that. I took a while to figure that out when I got to Park City, but I knew that was it. I had found it. So talking about
0: that, what was it about it? Was it the connection with people? Was it just the role of, hey, you're impacting kids' lives? What was it? Impacting
1: lives. I mean, I think that's why the train was no longer the right train anymore. I started to feel like, yes, there's all the reasons why this is a good job, rationally, but I wasn't feeling it anymore. And I needed to be doing something that I really cared about. And each time I work with a different nonprofit, it's like magic for me. It feels like magic.
0: That's a connection. And
1: it's a connection. And we moved to Park City. I cannot believe we've been here 11 and a half years.
0: Have you really? It okay. It feels
1: so like yesterday. You just
0: moved yesterday, got it.
1: Um, we came here. My husband, is um, he manages the endowment for the University of Utah. So we had moved to Massachusetts for my job at Hasbro. Now it was his turn.
0: So, so he moved the moved family. Moved us
1: here. It was a hard move for us. It was a big, big transition. Mm-hmm. I'm um, assuming you
0: grew up in the East Coast?
1: I did. Okay. Um, you hear the Bronx.
0: Just a little bit. Just, there you go. I mm-hmm. only lived
1: there till I was 10. I grew up in Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still have
0: that. You carry yeah, the accent carry with
1: you. Yeah, I carry the accent. I, yeah. <laughs> People always look at me. Where are you from?
0: <laughs> what part of New York? Yeah, yeah <laughs> the Bronx.
1: Um, but anyway, so when we came to Park City, um You know, again, I was pretty burnt out from the job at the JCC. That was a really difficult time. And I'm assuming you were
0: unpaid, by the way. I was
1: unpaid. And it was a really difficult time because it was when all the anthrax scares were happening.
0: I remember that. And And so you were impacted.
1: We were majorly impacted. We had a time where, you know, somebody found the powder in the parking lot. We had to call the hazmat unit and then greet all the parents. It was so and we were also building out new space. So we did a capital campaign. So it was pretty intense. Moved here, I kind of wanted to lay low. So reading is one of my passions. Those of you who know me know that. I love to read, it's kind of like air. If I don't have a book, I can't breathe. Um, And started volunteering at Jeremy Ranch in school and that kind of thing. And then slowly I did Leadership Park City and that just sparked it and Trisha was in my class. Oh, is that right?
0: Right, we've interviewed Trisha. Yes,
1: so after that, you know, I met her for coffee, just sort of picking her brain, trying to figure out what to do, and then a job opened, a short-term job at the foundation. It was for six months, and they were launching parkcitygreen.org. And that was a website that helped you track your carbon footprint, and it was kind of an output from um, their Save Our Snow initiative. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do you know, I did it, it was great. And then Katie Wang came to them and said, I have an idea. I'd like to do a video contest. How do you keep Park City green? They asked if I would stay three more months and I worked with Katie. We were like a married couple. Is it right? So much. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was an amazing project. I loved every minute of it. And then I was done at the foundation and then they asked, they said, We have an idea for a new program. Are you interested in doing? So they the kept professional roundtables. Okay. And we just finished our fourth year, and it's been, as you know, uh, it's just something I love doing. Um, and so
0: you have basically never left. They kept I hiring you I really never left, and for the year.
1: longest time, and I've really tried to make sure it's clear people think I work for the Park City Foundation. I think that would be a That yeah, I'm a assessment. staff member, and I'm not. I have a contract with them to do the roundtables. Um, Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about them. Yeah, talk
0: about, for those who don't know about the roundtables, talk about that. Um,
1: The roundtables, they started as just executive director roundtables. And the purpose of it really was to have a safe space where you could be with your colleagues that are sharing the same challenges as you are, to share your insights, to get to know them better too. I mean, I'm sure you've heard me ad nauseum say this. Everything is about relationships. Everything you do, the success of your organization... I don't care if you're talking about volunteer management, donor management, it is all about relationships. And I really felt like for the nonprofits to collaborate, the way to make that even easier is for them to know each other better. So, so they building feel
0: relationships with each other, with not each necessarily other, people in with the community. With each other,
1: so that mm-hmm. even something, and you know, there's collaboration, but there's also, I'm a new ED, I have a problem. I want you to feel comfortable and pick up the phone and call Rob Harder. Mm-hmm. You know, I really think that's a valuable thing to have in a community. So and that's how, been, yeah. Oh, it's How's been, it turned it's out? It's been great. I mean, I wish I could remember, I think it might have been the NAC. We did a volunteer management um, roundtable, and after that one, they decided to hire a volunteer coordinator. And I feel really strongly about how important a volunteer coordinator is, um, and that it's a really professional level job, and it's not something you ask your receptionist to. To manage. Right, which happens too yeah. often. Um, so there have been so many instances of people coming back and saying, we would never have thought of collaborating because we didn't really know them. And now we do. And that makes my heart sing. <laughs> so
0: collaboration, collaboration, building relationships, and Best, so and, and best practices. Talking about
1: best practices. Mm-hmm. And also I'm one who always is saying, okay, these are kind of the best practices. It is not one size fits all anyone who tells you, any consultant that tells you that it is, is not being, they're not being genuine because every organization has to find what works for them. What works for organization A is not necessarily going to work for organization well, B. That's a
0: good point. Talk about that a little bit. So obviously as a consultant, you're come, you're asked to come in, yes. help us improve our efficiency or our right. marketing or right. whatever. So you really look at each nonprofit differently. Fair Are it. there common trends of troubles or challenges that you see in nonprofits, or talk about that experience Yeah, well
1: mostly what i've been doing um and again it's sort of my love and a lot of that comes out of working at hasbro i do a lot of strategic planning um i'm a big believer that because you know there's even you know again that's an example of a best practice that some people say strategic planning is a waste of time okay that's fine if you you yeah i'm a big believer in it Mm -hmm. um it's a plan that changes all the time but it is a way to have an organization all going
0: same direction so um, tell yeah talk us through you meet with a nonprofit board first you meet with a director like
1: right now I'm working with the Hope Alliance but Excellent. I've worked with the Park City film series um, I have a couple that are coming down the pike I'm gonna be working with the historic Park City Alliance um, usually I meet with the executive director first and sometimes you know it depends what they think the board is willing to do time wise we'll have a committee a strategic planning committee sometimes it's just the chair and the executive director and we'll kind of you know i like a lot of information i like sort of a mind dump send me everything about your or i don't care what it is don't worry it doesn't have to look pretty you can send me one sentence if you think of it i want to know your organization inside and out because i feel like that's kind of what i bring to it and i think one of the best compliments i ever got was from trisha And I happened to be there when they were doing strategic planning. She was kind enough to let me sit in, because I asked, you don't have to pay me. I want to be part of this, which was amazing.
0: Great opportunity for you. Great
1: opportunity. And she said to me at the end, you have an uncanny ability to sort of look at it from the outside and very quickly sort of hone. And it's true, that's what I love to do. Yeah, that's why you're good as a consultant, yeah. I think sometimes, you know, when you're in it, you're doing your job. You're just doing what you have to do every day. It's really hard to pull back sometimes, and that's I feel like what I can do at the roundtables or at, you know on a consulting job, I pull back and help. That's, so
0: you feel like that's the best thing you can bring really to the organization. That is what I can bring. Is that, I do, yeah, mm-hmm, the sort of thing. The
1: and then help you bring it into reality because mm-hmm. right. it's great up here, but if it's. If it can't be brought to reality, again, that's not really worth anybody's time.
0: So, how many nonprofits would you say are open to that and have it's been oh. successful where you've brought this in oh, and they've I, actually listened I, to your advice? I
1: think and... I, I'm getting the sense almost all of them are. Excellent. Yeah, Excellent. and I do strategic planning. I've also done um, a lot of board retreats. Sometimes they just say, We want you for an hour to sort of re engage everybody, get everybody excited. Sometimes it's for three hours, sometimes it's for the whole retreat. You know, it just sort of depends. Um, I do board training. I do sometimes um, they'll say, you know what, we just want you to come to a board meeting. We kind of want you to organize us a little bit. And right this year I worked and it was, oh, again, it was like magic working with the Historic Park City Alliance. It was just such a great, they have an amazing executive committee. Andy Bierman, Marin Mullen, all these really engaged Park City people. And the feedback was amazing. So now I'm going to be doing strategic planning with them. Excellent. And it's just like you can feel the magic happening. I I know that sounds so. No, that's the passions. No, it's very obvious. It's Mm -hmm. like they can see things, and it's so. And you're impacting organizations. Mm -hmm. Impacting organizations. So, as
0: you've done that, we've talked about boards on this show before. (laughs) So, what do you feel like some of the biggest challenges you've faced when you do these consultations with boards specifically?
1: Um, Well, usually, if you get to the point of a consultation, there's already sort of an open mind. So, you're already a little bit past, I mean, normally, it's not like you come in and it's like, oh my God, who is this person? Usually, sure. you know, the ED and the chair and the board has said, you know, because I do charge money, so they have to approve it in that's the budget. Exactly, sure so that's right. it's, it's that kind of thing. They've already in this. invested into it and they see the value in it. So they're open open to ideas. Um, I actually think it's more at the round table where we have more candid discussions um, where actually the the round table we did last week, we did once again, because I call this the topic that just keeps on giving um, sort of the nurturing the board and ED relationship and actually Mm -hmm. enjoying it. It's not an oxymoron.
0: (laughs) So that's (laughs) a common recurring issue. It is a common
1: recurring issue in the sense that I think um, sometimes I think Knowing how to engage your board—not that your board doesn't want to be engaged, or you may think they don't want to be engaged—but it's more. I again, this is my opinion, that often it's you're being too general. I need your help in fundraising. Well, first of all, people's you know backs bend. The they use F the word. F word <laughs> and they freak out. So mm-hmm. right away you're like got the defense mode. The flight or flight, fight or flight mechanism kicks in, but. Um, it's also being very specific and task-oriented in what you're asking them to do. Um, I thought, the more
0: specific, the better, in other words. Have like a spe- job description, like, have I a list of duties you. or okay, As an
1: example, we talked about, okay, donations come in, you're going to have your board make some phone calls. Here are specific 10 tip. people okay. that you are going to call. And again, here was another one, one of the goals that I feel like in those roundtables, because they're only an hour, they're not massive training, they're tips. Ellen Silver from the Jewish Family Services, she always has a nugget. I feel like I always, and she comes to almost everyone. She doesn't even know she's sharing a nugget and there's a nugget there. When that topic came up, she said, well, the other thing is, not only do the donors love it and they give more money, she said, it has a huge impact on the board member.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah, doing I the ask.
1: felt like, no, doing the thank you, calling oh, got and it. thanking. Hmm. She said, they then give more money, and you think about So they it, re-engage in the they organization. They re-engage. The, the person, the donor, is thanking them for their time. And it's you know one of the goals always that I think people, um, that's a struggle, is how do you keep your board connected to the mission? because you know you know how it is you get in the, the grind of it why are we doing this exactly. why are we working so hard because you're changing people's lives so you bring it back to the board mission and one member is talking to that donor that it feels real probably it's right it's real and it feels good and Very one of the things that i mean again i sound like a broken record i think we have to thank ourselves more we have to pat ourselves on the back more Boards get so busy and they're going from one, you know, we're building a building. We're doing a capital campaign. We're doing a strategic plan.
0: They They don't don't, celebrate the wins. They don't
1: celebrate the wins Mm -hmm. and we're human. Mm -hmm. I don't care that they're board members. Everybody needs to know the reason they work all those extra hours is because we're changing lives. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's in the arts or humanity. It really doesn't matter. That's why, and I even, this sounds like a little thing, but I... I tell everybody when you do an agenda, any meeting, put your mission statement on the top. So if you're in that meeting and you want to grab the throat of the person that's sitting across from you, look at the mission statement. Remember, why am I here? Why am I doing it?
0: Very well. Yeah, that's a great it's insight. It's just a
1: little thing, but it's...
0: So in addition, I love that. I think that it makes sense. It resonates with me as an ED, knowing our board. So what else do you feel like are reasonable expectations for board members?
1: Well, one of the things we talked about again at the roundtable is it's not even what the expectations it's being clear about the so expectations. clarity is even more important so than before anyone. you just ask anybody to be on your board we talked a lot about board recruitment because that's a constant and i know in park city you know one of the challenges is it's i don't call it finite but i know people feel like wow we're all competing for the same board members i think the, pie is actually the population bigger than mm-hmm. people give us credit for but um i think when you ask a board member to join just don't ask anybody we talked about i asked the eds how are you doing this some eds um, like the process to be you are invited to sit on a committee
0: right okay. and
1: then we see how engaged you are and how that works and if it's great and the chemistry is there we ask you to sit on the board other people say you don't have to sit on a committee but if you've never given to my organization if you've never shown up event but you've asked to be on the board we're not really that interested because you haven't shown like we want sure. somebody
0: that makes sense right you know, engaged already that's
1: really engaged that mm-hmm. believes in our mission i mean i think the most successful board members are those that clearly believe in the mission that they're serving um, and that
0: usually shows in money and it shows in everything it, yep.
1: it shows in everything there you know but i going back to your question about expectations you know Every year, I mean, I think most organizations are doing this now—sort of the annual affirmation statement—and um, and that sort of ties to the same thing with expectations. Before you bring them on, be clear. Don't don't sort of slip it under the rug. There's right. nothing worse than you bring somebody on, and then after they say yes, you kind of do the bait and switch on them. That's that's people happened. do not like that, no, right? They yeah. don't like mm-hmm. that, and it's it doesn't leave a good taste in that person's mouth about your organization. So and in a
0: small community, people talk. Right?
1: Yes. So you, you need to be really clear about expectations. But there's also reality. I mean, you know, every board member is not going to be exactly the way you want them to sure. be. But I do think they need to understand that they are one of the tentacles. I mean, I like to think of every person as sort of like a tentacle. so. We talked about, you know, well, use a board matrix. But a board matrix is a best practice, but it's only as good as you agreeing as a group what skill set you need right. for where your organization is now. Not the ideal organization. Right not now. where you're going to be 20 years from exactly. now. Exactly. Right now. That very much changes what you need. I mean, it it really does. That's fascinating. And a lot of people bring people on sort of at... And those people think they're going to be doing X, and that's not what the organization needs. And then it's a disappointing relationship.
0: And then it backfires then it on backfired. the ED and the so rest of So the- I,
1: I do think people are definitely getting better at being really clear. Um, we talked a lot about, and again, I don't know how many organizations are doing self-assessments. I love self-assessments because I'm a person that loves feedback. Right. If you don't like it, tell me because it's going to make it better if you tell me. So it's kind sure. of the same thing. Talk about
0: a self-assessment. Is it like the 360 um, assessment or is there you have a different version? This is different,
1: although I happen to like those too. Some mm-hmm. people hate those. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, I had one and it was eye-opening for me. When I worked at Hasbro as an executive, you were partic- it was amazing. I found In a it good way? In an amazingly good way.
0: Okay, so you're very much a proponent I'm of that. I'm a
1: proponent, but some people really don't like it. But anyway, the um, assessment is sort of twofold. You can do individual like each board member as a member evaluates themselves on a you know you give them a form some organizations actually have them turn it in like it's turned to the governance committee or the ed some organizations aren't ready for that and they say you don't turn it in you do it and it's for your own self-knowledge and it also kind of shines the light for you wow i thought i was doing a good job but when i Go through this. It's kind of eye-opening. It's eye-opening. And sometimes, and I, this isn't a bad thing, those people step forward and say, my life situation has changed. I either... Maybe this is not a good time to be on the board. It's not a good time. Mm-hmm. I think... And that's okay.
0: So that's, it's okay to have an exit on okay the board. okay to have mm-hmm. an
1: exit. Um, or I love this example. I think Bob Richer shared this with me. He said... Sometimes you get the people that are, you know, the really good board members, and they're so hard on themselves. They fill out the form and they come to you and they say, "I'm not doing a good job," and he's had to reassure them. Like, You're an amazing board <laughs> member. Member, so it's kind interesting, of interesting. It's that kind way. of
0: ironic that the best board members are the hardest on yes, themselves. I
1: think that's. I mean, come on, that's. Yeah, that makes that's a lot how of sense. We a a people are. Yeah. Do that, you have a
0: ratio like of a uh, how many board members per your organization? Do you based on budget? Do you based on staff? Oh, how counts? many people should be yeah, on? Yeah, how the many board? board members? Yeah, that's um, come up before, and
1: that has definitely come up before. And we talked about this at the last round table, too. Um, I I again think it, it very much depends on where the organization is because like anything don't bring more, it's kind of like your donor portfolio, don't bring more board members on than you can successfully relationship build with.
0: So it's all based on relationship?
1: Because that's- And
0: the ED specifically? Yes. Okay.
1: And that, it takes time. You know, know, working with your board, it takes time. So don't bring people on and then have it be a bad experience. So I think ideally, The bigger, the better. And I know it's harder to manage. So
0: you would advocate for larger.
1: the circles of influence. I mean, that's kind of what I think, too, on your matrix. You're thinking about circles of influence. Not just skills, but circles of influence. If everybody's friends Mm -hmm. on the board, they're going to have the same circle of influence. So, you know, in the business community, in the resort community, in the realtor, you know, you kind of want... To be thinking about base. it that way. And
0: Park City Community Foundation, Trisha's mentioned that, and now Katie, um, that that's what they've done. They've definitely it's expanded so their board. It's a it's, large board.
1: It is, but not every organization is ready to do that. And it can be really, I think it can backfire if you grow too quickly.
0: And it's dependent on the ED, I sounds like. It depends and their on the ED. skill set and experience. And
1: I, I happen to think that's a really critical skill set for an ED.
0: That, yeah, so let's talk about ED for a little bit. We talked about board a lot. Yeah, what do you feel like, you know, you've done a lot of consulting? Uh, if someone's out there in college listening right. to this podcast and thinks, and ex- I may go into the nonprofit world. I, I want to become an executive director of some nonprofit. What, are they, what skill sets do they need to have, according to you?
1: If, uh, if they want to be an ED... They have to be able to do everything.
0: <laughs> so, a jack of all trades, it's right? It's a little bit kind of, of a gender- good at everything. It,
1: again, it depends what size organization. If you're small, you're wearing every hat. Mm-hmm. As you staff up, yes, you're overseeing every hat, but you're not necessarily wearing every hat. Got but it. But if you think about Park City, we have every size organization. We really do. Every single size, every level of seasoned ED to new ED. And it, it it's. I, I would encourage somebody to go into the nonprofit um, sector. I think it is, at least for me personally, it has been way more fulfilling, but it has to be something you really wanna do. It can it And why do you say that? Because I think like with anything, if, if you do it because you think it's the right, thing to do like oh wow i want like to go like a duty
0: based yeah desired it do. doesn't
1: it's not going to work okay. because again you're it's going to come out in all your relationship building you know you have to be so genuine about what you do i mean you rob i mean mm. you know i've told you a million times i think you're unbelievably amazing at what you do oh, thank and you. i think it's because it is your passion and it's you're good at all of it and everything is about you building relationships and so it does go
0: back to that relationship I th- building? I piece. think
1: everything is about that. And some people that is, they can do it, but it doesn't, it depletes them. It doesn't energize, energize them. them. Huh? Mm-hmm. And I think as an ED, I, again, this is my personal opinion, I think as an ED, it has to be, I think you're going to have an easier go if it's something that energizes you.
0: Got it. So that's keyword, key word. And what for energizes me, you? I, I, think so. I think so. Very helpful. So what if you want to go into a nonprofit? Maybe you don't want to be an ED, but you just want Probably. to be a part of a nonprofit and maybe a staff level. There's so many At that point, you feel like, hey, yeah. Oh okay. my
1: gosh, there's so many kinds of jobs. And it's becoming more professional. I mean, now there's, you know, specific degree for nonprofit management. Exactly, right. Exactly. Um, I know a lot of um, the, I don't even know, EDs, but I think even non-EDs have participated the nonprofit um uh, professional School of Excellence at the University of Utah. You know, so there's I think Stanford there's has way, a yeah. yeah mm-hmm. There's lots of ways to to keep learning, um, but I. I love the idea that if people are coming out of school, they want to go into nonprofit. but Yeah, you're
0: excited by that. I,
1: yeah, I love it. I love it.
0: And then, so yeah, you mentioned that. So how do you, so you're already in a nonprofit leadership position. Yeah. Where do you go for good resources? Where do you go to, to learn and train and, and be stretched and, and uh, become better as a leader?
1: Right. Um, I really think you need to have a colleague group, and that's why I love the round table. I think a colleague group is so important. You guys have a really hard job. You do. And it's isolating. I've had several people tell that to me. Is that right? That's that's a common theme. It is a common theme. And I also think that's part of why if they hire me as a consultant, they like it because they can have, they can just have somebody to talk through things with that maybe they don't feel are appropriate to talk with their staff with. And maybe not even their board. Maybe they yet, you know, they kind of want to get their hands around something a little bit more, um, But I also think, you know, quite frankly, I think your board is such a great resource. But you have to know how to manage that to use them as a great resource. And you have to know what their different expertises are so that when you have an issue, you know who to call. If you don't really know your board members, and I feel like that's kind of the next level of push I'm doing, it's not just the chair you need to know. You need to know all your board members because then you're going to be able to tap into their passion, and also their expertise. If you don't know them well, you're kind of, it's, it's blind.
0: You're not maximizing your board. You're not
1: maximizing your mm-hmm. board. And mm-hmm. to me, that's sort of like, they're almost like colleagues. I know it's a little bit weird because the board is your boss. You know, I exactly. know that. It's a little bit it's dual messy. roles there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's one of the things I definitely can see as so interesting compared to the for-profit sector. It's much harder. It's so Is, messy. Okay. It's Is it, messy. It's
0: messy, and they're all volunteers. And it's, right? it's
1: just—I it, mm-hmm. think it requires so much finesse to be an ED. I really do. Okay. And I feel like when you're—at least when you know—I was with a major corporation, and you know, we had staff and all that. It, it—you had to be really smart and good at what you do, but we were, you know. Everyone was being paid and it's just, it's a little bit different. Interesting. And I've heard that I, before. Know.
0: Yeah, that nonprofit leadership is one of the most difficult roles of leadership because you I don't have the is. typical incentive of, well, I can hire or fire you, I can send you to Hawaii for good behavior or great product uh, marketing. You don't have those abilities in nonprofits because most of them are volunteer, first of all. You don't have the, the money to give to somebody right, or incentivize right. somebody. Yes. So yes. I, I, would, I would tend to agree with that, that it's a very challenging leadership position regardless of what role you have in a nonprofit yeah so that's interesting. So so you uh, so someone's listening yeah. and they've never had a consultant. yeah, and maybe it's even a little scary for them to even yeah. think of a consultant. <laughs> so tell us why what in your mind, why you could really help their organization?
1: Well again, it depends what they need help with. but one of the things, I mean, I've worked with so many nonprofits in town, and one of the things that I am really clear about up front is I am very collaborative. I'm not the consultant that comes in and you know, I, I'm not what you typically think of, I don't think. Um, and
0: You break the mold for consultants. I really,
1: I'm yeah. just not, I, I, I feel I almost become part of the organization for the period of time that I'm working with you. And because the people part is my favorite, I mean, that's what I love. Like we talked about energizing. My that's energy you. is yeah. so, it is so drawn from that, that I think it's a very positive experience.
0: Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, it comes and, out of you.
1: And it's just, it's what I really like to do. I mean, I can't tell you how many times, because obviously I can't really make a ton of money doing this. I'm sure. one person. Mm-hmm. Jobs come up at these nonprofits and I think, should I apply for this job? Should I be an ED? Should I? And I get close and then I always say, no. Okay. It's not so what your I want role is consultant, not this, locking yourself into one. I love I love the change. I love the project. I like those types of and kind challenges. Of short term, mm-hmm. short term, like a billion miles an hour.
0: And then take a break. And
1: then onto the next idea, the next Got project. It. I'm usually doing three or four at once. Got it. Um, and I also am happy to meet with people multiple times, and they don't even have to hire me.
0: And that's nice. I so you just volunteer see- that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like to some degree, and I don't know if I'm just talking to myself on this, I say, oh my gosh, I really can't make a ton of money doing this. And then I say, yeah, but I also can't donate a ton of money. I kind of feel like...
0: You're donating your time. I feel like a little
1: bit, that it's a Mm -hmm. little bit of that. That even though I'm being paid, you're never going to pay me for the amount of hours I put into the project. Right,
0: because I can tell you go overboard. I go overboard because
1: that's just how I am. And Mm -hmm. to some degree, that's my own, you know, neurose. But... Sure, it's it's the way I work on a project and it works for me. Like I have found my niche. It's, and
0: then it's not work. It's a passion of it's yours. It's a
1: passion and it's just, I get to work with such amazing people. I mean, that's like such a blessing. It really is that I get to work with people that are just so interesting that are passionate about the work they do. And then I learn from, I mean, I get to learn from them. It's not like I'm- It's a win-win. It Mm -hmm. is a win-win and I couldn't be happier. (laughs)
0: Well, your passion is so evident and it's so contagious, really, is what it is. So, I just want to applaud you for what you're doing. You're helping so many nonprofits here, therefore, you're impacting so many lives. Maddie Shear, it's been great having you on our podcast. Thank you so much for your time. And where can they find out more information if they'd like about Maddie Shear? They
1: can email me. Okay, what's your Maddie email? Maddie Shear at comcast.net.
0: Excellent. Maddie Shear at comcast.net.
1: And I will answer you quickly. Maddie Shear, thank you so much. It's
0: been wonderful. Thanks.